This is the Tribe Mastermind, where we talk business, purpose, and passion with your hosts, Jordan Muela and Steve Welty. If you're ready to shift into a bigger future, then this is the show for you. So plug in, buckle up, and get ready to be. Welcome, Tribe Universe. It's another broadcast, scumming straight from the consciousness of Steve Welty and Jordan Muela. Prepare to have your minds blown or not. We'll find out. Steve, how you living? I'm living, I'm living good, man. I, uh, I enjoyed talking about the multiple tabs concept a little bit ago. And, uh, you know, I'm having a good day. I, I feel a little bit of a low energy on your part. What's going on, man? Well, brother, I appreciate you calling me out, especially in, in public. I'm on my own half. <laughs> So that's, that's cool. Um, You know what? I brought this up to you yesterday. I think, I think that I I know I'm overwhelmed. I think that I've been projecting some suffering and struggle amidst all the busyness, the circumstances of the circumstances, but the story is either I'm conquering it, I'm crushing it, or it's conquering me and crushing me bit of the latter. So arbitrary mental orientation, uh, I need a little bit, a little bit of a reset on that, on that front. I just got a lot going on, man. Like my plate, my, my cup overfloweth with, uh, yeah, man, stop. I, I feel you. You, you do have a lot going on. Uh, it's a busy month. I know you, you've done a lot. Um, part of what's made you successful is doing a lot of this stuff. It makes you feel uncomfortable, man. It's like, I think a lot of it is uncertainty. It's big projects. So there's a good aspect to it. Let me try to pick you up. Like you picked me up one time. So you told me when I was feeling like you a while back, the old Jim Rome quote, your favorite Jim Rome quote. Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Don't wish, you know, well, give it to me. I, I forget it. Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Wish you were up to the task. Yeah. And then I think it goes on to say like, don't wish, uh, situations where uh, I've blown it. But anyway, he, he says three or four things. I got to look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. But um, I that helped pick me up because I realized I was complaining. I'm not saying this is exactly where you're at, but let me speak for myself. I was, uh, I was a few months ago. I was like complaining about stuff. I was like busy. I was complaining. I was like in kind of, you know, boohoo mode. And I had to catch myself. And then I actually pulled out, I don't think I have it handy. I'd show the audience, but my uh, 10X, I, I got a band from 10X, Grant Cardone's that said, don't be a little bitch. <laughs> I've seen those hats. I, the one I saw was like, make the call. Don't be a little bitch. <laughs> make the call, <laughs> for, yeah. For salespeople. Yeah. So yeah. I know that, that's a tough place to be, but uh, you know, you get through it. You know, I don't know that it's tough. I read a quote from, I believe it was Tony Robbins saying something to the effect that chains, change happens in an instant. It's the decision that can drag on for years. <laughs> so I don't want to act like it's heavy or it's a big thing. I think it is just a mental um, switch that needs to get flipped. Kind of continuing to embrace my destiny and assessing, is it more about the past and the present that I'm trying to protect? Or is it more about the future that I'm trying to enable? The question is always, how much upside is left? How much meat is still on the bone? 
And that really informs the level of optimism or pessimism that I, that I bring to things. That's what I find for me. So I just need to get like reoriented and like, what am I going after? Because if I'm just grinding without being really clear on the outcome, that's where it gets muddy for me. Yeah. And the, the only way I know to get clarity on that is to create some space, take some time off actually, which seems counterproductive. I know we've got, you know, you got PM Grow coming up. Um, we've got some tribe stuff coming up, tribe meeting. So there's always a blitz factor. So it probably is not like the time you can actually take a day, but maybe, uh, maybe right after. But I love that quote was awesome. Uh, you got to share that with me. Uh, isn't it cool? You do enough personal development. You do enough searching of self-awareness, of grinding, of entrepreneurship. And you kind of get this like toolbox <laughs> mm-hmm. of like quotes and like mental models and ways to look at things. I really noticed it recently a couple of times when I'm feeling down. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling down. What am I feeling down about? Okay. I, I have tools for this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, I go through like all my mindset stuff. And Oh, you're talking about mental models, bro. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Like, like let's just riff, let's just riff some off, bro. Let's, let's go toe to toe. I'll give you one right out of the gate. Um, and I don't remember, I don't think that I remember the name of it. I think it's Hanlon's razor, but the basic gist of it is never assume malice when incompetence is just as good of an explanation. Mm. So don't assume is that seems to be the crux of that. Something bad happened and we can either assume it was a conspiracy. You know, these people were doing this thing, trying to get you, or it was right. like, you know, stuff happens and it was just like uh, randomness and or incompetence. That's, that's served me well. Just assume, assume good as a default. I love that. I love that. Here's one. Uh, it's from Michael Singer, Untethered Soul. He talks about why are we so afraid of change? It's because we've gone to the mind and we've said, I'm not okay. <laughs> You know, so the mind tells you, what do I need to make happen for me to be okay? And that's one of the toughest jobs that you can have in life is to have to make the world a certain way for you to be okay. Mm. And that's, that might've gone a little deep early on, but uh, I think it comes back to kind of his teachings, like Artole, some other people where it's like, my primary purpose is to be okay regardless of the situation. Like my inner state is always primary. The situation is always, always secondary. Mm. Mm. I dig that, man. So the corollary for me of what that makes me think about is the idea of um, congruency. Like everything is always working out. The results that I have, the the false dichotomy that I've experienced is like, Oh, I've got these results, but man, like that's not what I want. That's not what I'm going after. I want a different set of results, but just recognizing that, like for me, the results that I have are the fruit of the behaviors, decisions, and thoughts. And in saying that, it gives me agency and ownership to like lean into, question, and explore those things. Like, what are the payoffs? associated with the dysfunction that I say that I don't want that causes me to keep facilitating it as an outcome in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if these are mental models. Like These are ideas or constructs. Some of these are definitely mental models for sure. The concept of a state from Tony Robbins you know, we are, it's not what you are. It's the state that you're in and the state is changeable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, what about, so the quote with Tony Robbins earlier about the decision, what was it again? Decision that, or no, change happens in an instant. It's the decision to actually change that can drag on for years. Yeah. I'm fascinated with decisions and how much they impact our lives and that, uh, you know, a lot of our suffering comes from the lack of decision. So if you don't mind, let's take you as a test case in the, you know, where you're at current maybe mental state. Um, <laughs> I say it like, you're like going crazy. You're not, you're just like, you know, you're usually like way 10 up, be happy. And now you just right. seem, you seemed a little mellower. So right, right, right. I'm not like worried here. Uh, <laughs> what decisions how have decisions played a part in maybe wh- where you're at right now hmm. or lack of a decision? Hmm. Okay. So when I'm in, when I'm not in a good healthy headspace, I try and avoid decision or make like low level decisions. Even though the important one was a 60 second decision, it's cognitive bandwidth that I'm, I tend to like shy away from. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm stressed out. I don't have the capacity to, think and then that that's compounding right what i need to be doing is making decisions faster and almost i wouldn't say sloppier but just like way way faster and lowering the bar for actually getting to the place where i can make a decision i'm doing a lot of that for sure but i think that the idea of creating space is for whatever reason something that i can resist even though like i know how impactful it is i remember that time that i had a conversation with you where I was processing some things related to spirituality and your advice was like, yeah, you know, when I was like thinking through that myself, like the main thing that helped was just to actually take some time to think about it. And that was actually like really useful and and profound because a lot of times I can avoid just creating that, that space. Cause it, the story is like, Oh, I don't have time for that, which is basically another way of saying I only have time to make bad decisions. Yeah. That, dovetails into one of my big game changers the last 30 60 days has been my big picture 10x friday what i have like five names for it but my big picture day on friday and it's when i don't do anything minutia related i also don't even necessarily try to do anything super like creative specific to a an outcome i guess although some of that is mixed in there it's mainly a day. Like I, I keep all these questions. Like here, here's some questions for my big picture today. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Mm. Like I want to make sure I'm not missing something because if I'm not creating space to think about these big things, then I'm just making these low level decisions that might not. It's like that 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 thing we were talking about the other day. What that a Peter Drucker said. He said, "Don't make a hundred decisions when one will do." Mm. Like what's the big domino that will knock the rest of the dominoes down? And so for me, at least if I'm not setting aside a day or, you know, taking time off, I don't have the space to actually think more clearly and, and uh, ask myself a question like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So so that, so that's one. Um, How can I invest more in self-awareness? You know, like these big picture questions, um, if we were, so I went to this uh, little meetup group with some, some guys I recently met, uh, we went to dinner and they had a great question that kicked it off. They said, if we were meeting here one year from today, cheersing over a glass of champagne, what would we be cheersing? Mm. And I was like, huh, I have goals. 
but like none of my goals seemed like something I would be cheersing mm. a glass of champagne over, even though I don't drink, but like we'll reduce churn to 10% is one of our company goals. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't be cheersing really over that. <laughs> it would be like, it would be cool. Even though it's good. <laughs> but I wouldn't be with the fellas like cheersing and that kind of sucks. Like I don't, I'm not working towards anything that if I did it, I would be ch- cheersing with friends. Yeah. So it speaks to like, are you settling basically? Yeah. Man, I had the most surreal experience the other day being in a lift with a guy who is maybe 24, picks me up. He's banging out to some Pantera as soon as I get in the car. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I can see he's having a pretty good day. So I chat him up and talk. And he mentioned that he, he basically, I asked him what he's doing. And he gives me this progression to tell me a life story that takes him all the way basically to retirement. He's got his associates right now. He's studying to get his BA, wants to go into behavioral psychology, and he's going to go back into the military. He was already in the Navy for four years, go back, let them pay for his higher education, probably stay in for 20 years because that's when he gets his pension. And you know, then he's set. I'm just thinking like, wow, this guy's 24 and he's talking to me about his pension. That's really interesting. So we were kind of like unpacking that and exploring where all that came from and, and what that was about. And it was interesting because he basically articulated that his dad never had stability in his life. And so like for him, like that was, that was it. If he could just cling to that, that pension. I don't know what I'm riffing off at this point, what you were saying before, what were we just talking about a second ago? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. I don't even remember, but, um, but no, that's, uh, that's interesting. I think we're all, we're products of how we grew up. I think a lot you oh, know. it's the bigger future, man. That's what we we're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, bigger future. So in his case and in that situation, the bigger future wasn't really there. It was like, I'll just, you know, kind of grind it out. And for me, with like my appetite, I'm like, oh man, that sounds depressing. You know, I don't know if I could suffer through that. But if you see enough upside, you can slog through quite a few turds in your path to be able to get where you want. Are you a Lyft or an Uber guy? I am a compulsively use the wrong credit card in terms of business versus personal. So I only, if it's business, it's Uber. And if it's personal, it's Lyft. That's a good call. Yeah. I, I went from Uber to Lyft. I feel like the Lyft drivers have a little bit more going for them overall. You think so? Yeah. Uber, Uber seems like, like you're intentional. Was your intentional guy's story a Lyft driver? Lyft, yeah. Okay. But... I really enjoyed it when I had one car and I was, I had no car. My wife had a car and I had no car and I was taking Lyft and Uber everywhere. And, uh, man, that was really liberating because you get a lot of car time just to sit and like bang out emails on your phone. That's where I'm at right now. (laughs) Oh, that's where you're at, right? Yeah. I only got one car. I'm selling my, selling my Tesla. Just ding, 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 baby. I just got the call that, that bad boy is sold. So I'm working on some paperwork right now. Wow. Very cool. How'd you sell it? I uh, went through a consignment company. I did not have any interest in trying to figure out how to sell a high-end vehicle, money back and forth, escrow. They just delegation, baby. There you go, man. I love it. Hey, uh, digital minimalism, man. I want to give you a debrief. I, I told you about this. So this book, top whatever, five books I've read in the last five years. Ooh, ooh Okay. <laughs> It's a really good book. Maybe top five is a little stretch. Let's say top 10 in the last 10 years. 
All right. But uh, it's a top 10 book for me. And dude, this guy, Cal Newport, is that his name? Cal Newport? Yeah, for sure. Deep work. I'm pretty sure he's like our age. He's like 35, 36. And he's like so wise, man. Like this guy is just coming at it. He just said, he just spoke what my heart's been speaking and what I've knew like into intuitively and what I felt around technology. Essentially, the premise of the book is that all of the, it, it, it highlights the attention economy. So, but whether you realize it or not, like there's all these services like Facebook and uh, YouTube that, that make money off of your attention, right? And so they mm-hmm. create, you know, slot machine, like, you know, I, I think that's cats out of the bag now. Like, you know, they, they're engineered to hook you, right? Um, but the thing that really was an aha for me was that all of these, the vast majority of these services you join because of some vague promise of value. Mm-hmm. But when you really take a step back and look at it, mo- the nine out of 10 times, they either provide no value or very little value. And in most cases, not enough value to warrant the attention that it sucks from you. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, so what he has you do is he has you do a digital declutter, which basically says you delete all non-essential apps from your phone. And like, I'm ca- I'm talking like, it has to be essential, like maps. Like I, de- I deleted audible, like I deleted podcasts. Well, I, because I had another podcast app, my friend started this podcast app. I've been testing with him, but so I, I had access to podcasts, but, uh, and anyway, and then, and then you get very clear on what your deeply held values are about technology. And then you also introduce leisure activities that you you used to do or that you want to get better at to -hmm. take the place because he says the problem is people do that and then they go crazy because they don't have anything else to do so like i've been working on uh music theory like guitar theory with my guitar um spending time with the family so i made a list like these leisure activities i want to do and uh also he has stuff around tv like instead of watching the news every day which is like the political stuff is like my uh Uh, toxic my crack I'm just like, I was grown in a political, my dad loves politics. So I'm like, I have to like switch on the news for 30 minutes every day. So I gave that up. And now I'm just reading like the newspaper on my phone in the morning. And then I'm delegating the, the news to the weekend. But, um, but then the thing is at the end of 30 days, you can then reintroduce selective technologies that serve a, a deeply held value you have, or that are that, and that you can use based on your deeply held values around technology. So like for instance, I reintroduce Instagram, but I'm all but I have it like on page two of my apps in a folder behind like two other you know pages. So I have to like go into like four things to pull it out. My texts don't have any sort of alert, and it's also behind three or four pages. So it's like I've conditioned myself over thirty days to where I'm checking my text like in the morning, in the middle of the day, and at night. Now I'm not perfect. Like yeah, I've, I've plugged in randomly, but it's gotten so much better and uh, my phone use has just gone way down and uh, it's allowed me to create space again and be more intentional about what, what's going on in my life. I dig that, man. That's awesome. Can you actually measure the net reduction in phone time? Like, do you have an app that tells you that? Yeah, I do. But the problem with it is I use voice notes for music where I just keep the voice notes app open and then Spotify can be on, you know? And so like screen time on Apple just tracks all of that stuff. So it's not like an accurate, like I don't count me using voice notes to write songs 
as yeah. like me being on Facebook. You know what I mean? Sure. Now I could look at the individual ones and see like, Hey, I used Instagram two hours this week, et cetera. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's, I highly recommend that book. So you're, you're vibing it. It's not just like a theoretical, like you're really feeling. I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm feeling better. Yeah. I'm feeling way better. Um, just feeling, feeling more. It's all about intention. You know, you quickly get sucked in your, your future goes away because you're, it's like death by a thousand cuts. I've heard it described as one of the hacks of the human brain, this smartphone reward that we get. There's this concept of the the variable reward model, which is what happens when you go on Facebook and there's something new and it's a surprise, whether it's um, somebody liked your thing or there's some form of entertainment. Like that social media is engineered to kind of hack the brain and we're uniquely susceptible to it without really seeing the end game of what's happening. And I feel that, man. I totally feel the compulsive relationship with it. I have this fantasy of getting rid of my, like not getting rid of, putting my smartphone in one place so I can still use the desktop apps and then getting a dumb phone as my primary calling app. And I've been talking about this for a while, but I need to need to take action, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way to do it. I saw that phone you showed me, the light phone or whatever. That thing looks interesting. Yeah. Light phone, guys. Check it out. Light phone. This is really interesting to me. He talks about it in the book too. He also talks about an app called Freedom, which kind of blocks certain things. And um, I I messed with it for a minute. I didn't get too much into it. But uh, I'm glad where I'm at. The, The declutter, at least for now, I mean, I can always fall off the wagon, but I'm not like having to put too many physical barriers, et cetera. It's more of like, it's like the habit thing, you know, 21 days, 30 days, you, it's kind of a habit. And so in this good space now, so um, just help me be more intentional. You know, the thing, like, I don't want more to do. I don't want to get more done. I want, I want less things to do. Like I want to go deeper on a few things. Yeah, man. And um, like unique recently, ability. yeah, unique ability. And one of my unique abilities is music. And I'm like, I get a lot of joy from music and, it's kind of my side hustle too. And, um, and I realized I'm like, I just hired this uh, marketing guy to like do marketing for me now to free me up for the music. And I'm super excited about that because I just had a kid. Yeah. I'm super excited. It's been on my procrastination list forever. And I'm like telling people all my podcasts and on this podcast to find who, not how. And then I'm like running a Facebook ad for like my music. It's, it's nonsense. (laughs) So it's funny how we were talking about this the other day, how like, We'll we'll be crushing in one area of our life or business as far as delegation, and then the other area we're like s- still in the weeds. Um, but you know, I think we're getting more mindful of it. I like it. So this is this guy's just for the music stuff. Yeah, just for the music stuff. But what it's allowing me to do is I'm trying to keep it way simple. And um, I had to cancel a couple of, of engagements. I think you were on one recently where I was just like, "Hey, man, I have to say no to everything else. So I can focus on just these like three things." And one of them is like a two hour commitment for music, like doing music two hours every day. And I have to get that done to feel good about myself. Every day, every day, every day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know you were at two hours a day. I, I mean, I was at like an hour and then I was at like half an hour. And then now I do take Sundays off. Cause I think I don't make myself do anything on Sunday. Yeah. But, uh, but man, I just don't want to die with regrets, man. I want to, I want to get more intentional and, uh, really just focus on what I'm good at. And so 
So this is an interesting one because with music, I was in a, another Uber driver's car the other day talking with the musician and just trying to like understand more about the musician's profile, the mindset, what people get out of it. What I experienced with music is I think what most people experience, where it's about the rote practice and learning when you're young, you're taking piano lessons, you're doing recitals, it never really goes anywhere. What is the juice for you with music, Steve? Like, What do you get from it that is really unique to that medium, that experience, and that form of self-expression? Good question, man. So a couple of things. One is that I'm aware that I have a unique talent for songwriting and also vocally, like I have a good voice. Now I'm not like the voice or American Idol good, but you know, my voice is like a good decent resonance and like I was given a gift, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to not use that is incongruent with like my soul. Like there's mm-hmm. been times where I put music completely aside mm-hmm. and I'm just not the same person. And um, you know, it's funny, like to some people it might be like, Steve, you're 36, like you're getting back into music now. I found my passion, but I got my passion back to where it's like a great dance, like a dancer has to dance, like a singer has to sing, an entrepreneur has to cre- create more businesses. It's just like they have to do it. So the juice is just like you're hardwired. It's like you're born mm-hmm. or bre- your bread, mm-hmm. like you're just, you're a, you're a songwriter, you're an, you're an artist. So like if I painted, I would have to paint. And so a lot of people just write songs and don't tell anybody about it. And that's cool too. But like for me to get, to scratch the itch. I also have to, cause like writing a song is one part of joy, but then connecting with me with someone else via music. Like when someone else says, Hey man, I love your song. And I've been bumping it like the highest feeling I've ever felt. Like it's crazy. Like, cause I feel like music comes from the source, from like the universe, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it to me mm-hmm. next to someone else. It's kind of like, it's this weird, uh, spiritual thing, but, um, but yeah, that's just, it's like, I have to do it. That's kind of where the juice comes from. No, dude, I, we could go on this at, at length, but the first thing that comes to mind is just that impulse of that thought of like, well, like, how do you earn that, man? Like, what gives you the right to go, you know, hey, I'd like to go enjoy myself for two hours. Like, what gives you the special privilege to do that? <laughs> I know, right? My wife is uh, great and gives me the space to do that, which is awesome. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've gotten out of the way of my team and this is, this is something that I've been thinking about lately. And I just had a call. So actually, let me, let me set it up a little bit. So the job of a leader, Jocko Willenick said this, is to work yourself out of a job. Mm-hmm. I love that. So like I've went from broker owner to, or I went from property manager to leasing manager to broker. I mean, I was always the owner, but like I was doing all these things to broker owner to now CEO, I gave myself the title of CEO because I was like, I don't want to give myself that title until I actually feel like I'm a real CEO, like I'm doing only CEO stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my next step, I was talking to Grace Langham from Nest DC today. We'd connected on some... Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. She's a fantastic person. She's balling. Yeah, she's way balling. We were talking on uh, Zoom. I was picking her brain. She was asking me about a couple of things. I was like, dude, I'm going to pick your brain. Uh, and then uh, she's CEO. And then I think Lisa is founder. And I was like, oh, I want to be founder now. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. like the fact that Lisa has a CEO is so freaking cool. How many property managers yeah, have man. a CEO, bro? I dig it. 
I dig it. (laughs) (laughs) And so it kind of fired me up because I was like, oh, I'm excited now. I want to start telling my team like, hey, this isn't like work for me someday. You're going to be like controller. Like I want C-level executives, like work for me, be a CEO, be the CFO. Like, and so what buys me the ability to do that is creating a future for my team, making sure they're well taken care of, being transparent about it. You know, I probably could be a little bit more transparent about uh, where I'm at with music with the team. They know I do it on the side, but I kind of like haven't filled them in of like, hey man, I'm really focused on this and here's why it's important to me. And it makes me a better leader. Um, and it's, it's my life. I mean, unless I have five kids and I'm like saying, oh, I want to spend half of the month on tour. Yeah. Then I might need to like, see what my priorities lie, but why not give myself two hours a day to spend on music? You know, like what would be your pushback? I mean, I think the natural pushback from anybody is like, well, that's just not how life works. Steve reality check, buddy, you know, (laughs) life is supposed to be hard and a grind. So great idea, but you know, don't have too much fun. Something bad's going to happen. And I think that that's like the scarcity mindset from which I know at times I can act like, oh, I'm going to earn my freedom. I'm going to do this stuff and then I'm going to earn the right as opposed to more like the Dan Sullivan way of thinking. It's my clarity and commitment around the bigger and brighter future that I want that is the forcing function to require me to act in a way that's actually going to get me that faster. And that the best, one of the best ways to get that clarity is to taste it now. It's not the concept of like, well, yeah, man, 20 years from now, like I could get to do my hobby. It's like actually like doing the hobby now is like, wow, you know, yeah, that was one of the best days I've had in the last month. I think I want to do that again. What, what would I have to do in order to make that, that possible? Because work will expand to fill the time allotted, period. Totally, totally. And you, and you nailed it. I mean, I, that's the other kick I'm on is this whole, I really have a vision of someday writing a book about it or doing something where like people really resonated with what Jason Goldberg taught me about creating space and like the, the kind of the talk I gave at Broker Owner. It's like, we're all looking for the hack as entrepreneurs. And what if mm. the hack was actually live a, a better, more well-balanced life now and actually mm. the mm. fact that I'm doing music is going to make the company more successful. Yeah. There's, there's two ways I think about that. Number one is it's just the belief. And we've talked about this. So like a belief by the nature of the word means you don't know. So like mm. your mm. belief that working all the time, like you don't know if that, that's true, that totally. working all the time makes you more successful. You know, for a fact, that's true. Okay. So if we don't know our beliefs are true, why don't we have beliefs that err on the side of freaking killing it every day? The second hack is um, all there ever is, is this moment. So it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. There's like blitz times and like, oh, I got an event coming up. I got to hustle. But I mean, give it, give yourself what you're doing now. You might not have tomorrow. And I think what Cal Newport says in the book, he talks, he has a lot of great references, but he talks about Aristotle and Aristotle said, a life well-lived requires activities that serve no other purpose than the satisfaction the activity generates. Mm. Embrace pursuits that provide a source of inward joy. This was Aristotle, man. This is a this is a smart guy. So there's something to putting yourself, I think, in that space, aligning yourself vibrationally, being in a good space that allows the the creativity, the good decisions to bubble to the surface and be made, you know. I like that, man. So like feeding 
the real you, letting the real you, the healthy you come to the surface to have that rational thought to clarify. I, what I think about grinding, I think a lot of it is related to this notion of the Puritan work ethic. You put in your time, your grind, your save, delayed gratification, right? We've all heard about mm-hmm. how important that is, but a lot of folks push back about that. Randy Commissar wrote a book called um, The Plan B, the deferred, talking about the deferred life plan. I don't want to do that, man. I don't, I don't want to wait till the end to taste any of the fruit. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a strong stance. I mean, I don't subscribe to that either. Um, something else that's been really working along those same lines for me recently is being more intentional since we're talking about intention with friends. And like I talked about with leisure activity, like this may sound a little nerdy, but I actually put the people that are important to me in a spreadsheet mm. and, and I've been pinging each person once a week with an actual phone call. And the thing that Cal Newport talks about is that this phony connection that the attention economy tries to sell everybody now is like, oh, I connected with you via Facebook Messenger. It's like, yeah, you might've connected, but nothing like substantial was done. <laughs> <laughs> like conversation is, and that what's that is actually now, if you call some people, they're like offended. Like a big deal. What is this? What the hell? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I'm cool with that. I feel like I want to buck the mold a little bit. So I've, I've been like calling random friends like from high school that I care about. And man, they pick up the phone. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but they call me back and like we connect and then it could all end tomorrow. And, you know, I think that'd be something they'd probably say at my funeral is like, you know, Steve called me and remembered, you know, me and we connected and he, he always made an effort to stay in touch. You know what I mean? I got to say, this is part of what I love about WhatsApp because I realize it's not the full blown phone call, but at the same time, man, it is a significant bump up from text doing that voice memo. A lot of connection going on there within the tribe group, man. That's, that's one thing that's really been working within tribe is just having this back and forth monologue. Honestly, dude, like we just give like a straight, straight up plug to WhatsApp right now. I don't know how I was sleeping on this, but you introduced this to me like six months ago. So like if I go into this tribe founding members group, we got a lot of text. We got some emojis coming through. We got pictures, pictures of passages from books. My preference is going to be voice memo because my ability to speak versus type is like 10x. We got links in there. It's rich, dude. So like straight up, if you don't have WhatsApp on your phone right now, I highly recommend jumping over to that medium and sending people voice memos. I am all about doing things now. Spark speed. It's concept from Darren Hardy. I'm all about doing things immediately. Like in the, con- in the context of the meeting, you know, the meeting is 30 minutes long. We're talking about XYZ. I hate when the meeting ends. It's like, okay, Steve, you got your homework. Okay, Jordan, you got your homework. Yeah. Like, bro, I don't have time for homework. Like, I'd rather just like do the homework in the meeting, send out some three voice memos, fire off a quick email and work with people that can get ugly 80% instructions and fill in the rest, as opposed to feeling like for me to ask somebody to do something else, I have to prepare a, a military command memo, you know? Totally. Between WhatsApp and Loom, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm such a Loom honk getting the instructions to people quickly. And now, like you talked about spark speed, like Darren Hardy talks about a lot of times we're climbing this mountain, but we're putting all this stuff in our backpack 
Mm. And it weighs us down like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. But like, let me put that on my list, et cetera. There's a time for that, especially like when you're doing focus work, you don't want to interrupt that. But all other times, like things are done now and now, and that's been huge for me as well. But yeah, WhatsApp, that's almost as close to conversation as you get. Uh, and Clint introduced that to me. And, and yeah, that's been, um, that's been a game changer. But what I love how Clint posed it to me, which I think is important, especially along the lines of digital minimalism, is like, hey, this is not another requirement, or I can't think of the right word, but like, this is not another tool that now you have to man and respond to all the time. Mm-hmm. This is like a, a value added thing that when you get to it, there's no like rule, like with a text, like if I text you, Jordan, you don't text me back. I'm like offended. I'm like thinking about it. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's stupid. But with WhatsApp, the last thing we need is another medium like that. So it's just like, get to it when you can, but send the voice notes. I have all sorts of groups going, man. It's, it's been great. Me too. I just take a picture of me and you doing a tribe podcast. Hell yeah. And I'm posting it up in my group. That's this. It's sparks feed, brother. This is the whole um, document versus create thing that Gary Vee talks about. Creating is like, oh man, I got to think hard. I need a framework, bullet points. Like where might I upload it? What about the tags? Document is just like, boom, 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 wham, bam, wham. Take a pic, send it out, wheeling and dealing. I'm not trying to curate. I'm not trying to edit. <clears throat> I'm not trying to get the angles. Make sure my hair looks good. I regret I have no hair, but it's just straight shipping. Exactly yeah. what's happening. And that's, that's how people get velocity with content creation, man. Straight up. Good call, man. I just snapped a picture too. I'm going right to use that. But uh, something else that was on my mind as far as communication that we've been doing lately and it's been um, just killing. And I talked a little bit about a loom video. Um, there's other services. HubSpot has one-to-one video. Uh, bomb bomb but putting that in the lead cycle so when someone goes to yelp or goes to all property management or whatever and throws in uh, you know they send it to five managers or whatever how are you going to stand out from the group so adam my bdm calls now but if he doesn't get a, a live person he sends a one-to-one video hey jackie it's adam just wanted to let you know I got your message. I'm, I, I saw your rental analysis. It's pretty close, but I want to go over a few things that might affect the value. So if you can call me at this number when you get a moment, I'd love to connect with you. Thanks so much. And you immediately stand out from the competition. I like it. Speed is huge, man. So is that, you think, is that more about the touch point of video or about the speed of response? Well, speed is paramount, but video. Video is super cool. Video is... Uh, something to help you stand apart, you know, like especially a personalized video and loom, I think has the links. So you can even drop that into different platforms you use. But, uh, but the video is what, what, what excites me. Mm-hmm. I like it. You know, one thing I think about with your company, your brand, and just like being the extension of you is I feel this leeway and this lightness and optimism that I have around the freedom that you possess in terms of creative self-expression and the power that that can have relative to wowing people. You know, like what could that video look like? Like what would happen if Adam put a wig on and got a, a guitar with an amplifier and like, <laughs> you know, just like jammed out a quick song for that video, you know, like you got to take risks to stand out. So yeah. I just want to like give you some affirmation and encouragement that I think you are uniquely poised to really go all out and stand out in a sea of vanilla 
we take care of the property like it's our own. Yeah, totally, man. Thanks for that encouragement. I, I got some ideas too. I was reading uh, the audio book of Joey Coleman. And I think I got the idea from that book where like, we haven't done it yet, but I want, it's on the list is for the one year anniversary email doing like a party, like everyone's partying, slapping hands, uh, you know, just fun things like that, playing guitar, like anything like that, man, that, that can help you stand out and make the, the, the experience more special, man. That's, I dig that evergreen content, man, hype up over invest in evergreen content, create a brand that people can connect with human to human. Everything in life is about connection. You know, that's where things happen. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny. I'm on a couple, I'm on some mailing lists of other property management companies just to see what they're doing. And some of them are, you know, venture backed and I get, Hey, Steve, I want to check in to see how we can help you with your property. You you know, like that's what everyone else is saying. Like, like, I don't know. Checking in. Like, I guess, you know, it would, I don't think it feel like it works. You know, <laughs> same thing with Yelp messages. Like I was doing, um, this is another big, uh, improvement we did recently is I had some home improvement stuff at my house and I didn't want to use any of our regular handyman for some reason. I was like, Oh, let me see if like I can find someone new on Yelp. Like, let me just see if there's anyone cool out there. And there's two keys with Yelp messages that I believe most people are screwing up with. One is everyone responds like the same, like, Hey, what's your project? Or if you can send me some photos, I'll, you know, like it's a generic response. The guy I ended up hiring was first off the first one. I always give the shot to the first person that replies. No doubt. No doubt. Yep. Right. First person that replies gets the first shot. Second is um, how well did they answer? Did they fill the need? So like my need was like, I need some handyman, some stuff fixed around, fixed around the house. Um, I'd like it done as soon as possible. This guy's like, he was the second to respond because the first guy didn't give me a good response. And he's like, I can be there Friday at 9 a.m. I'm like, come over. Boom. And it was that simple. And I was, and I was doing some other project. And the other thing I noticed that I told Adam was we have all these lead sequences for follow-ups for all these leads, but Yelp. And I think a lot of managers are like us with Yelp that get leads from there. It's like, there's only one touch. And then if they don't respond, you never get back to them. It's like, you got to be touching them in Yelp too, like multiple times. Like nobody from like, if you go send a, a request to five people in any trade in Yelp right now, mm-hmm. I guarantee everyone will reach out once. It's crazy. Like, you don't, some, some people won't reach out at all, but yeah. Or at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. The persistence, the sense is that it's purely transactional. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah. That's a good point, man. But, um, fortunes in the follow up, man. That's what they say. All, all that stuff is true. But I mean, I like to look at, look through the lens of relationships still, even with follow up. What does it mean? Yes, it means that we could have a conversation quicker, but more than that, the default bias towards speed of follow-up is the assumption that the relationship is only going to get worse, not better from the prospect phase. So if it took you 24 hours to get back to me when I was a prospect, who knows what it's going to be when I'm a client. So you know, the terms right. that you establish the relationship on the front side are most likely to, to follow and carry with you. Right. Totally, man. Uh, to jump back, real quick on our earlier conversation, something that came to mind about giving myself permission to do music or sometimes, you know, we feel like, especially as entrepreneurs with the team, like, Hey, we got to be Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. That realization I had a couple of weeks ago, I was out in the water surfing and I thought, 
I could sell my business. I could cash out and like, I'd be living fine in either America or for sure in another country for the rest of my life. Like everything I'm doing is icing on the cake. Now I still have ambitions and I still want to like, I have big ambitions and I still want to achieve big goals, but, but I've already won. Like, let me frame it this way. Like, I know you have big ambitions, Jordan, but let's say you 10X your company. Wouldn't you say that, or let's say you 10X your revenues, all your, your companies, wouldn't you say that you're probably going to be happier for, to a certain extent for a little while, and then you're going to acclimate and then want to probably go bigger? or The rest like, of the mean. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, there's no, there's no place where you're going to feel, or anyone's going to feel content if they don't already feel content now. So, you know, I don't agree with the guy that says put off the stuff until later. It's like, you know, you're not going to be any happier at 3000 units or 1500 or whatever it is. Mm. Um, you've already won, man. And it was like a, a good real. And I, I already won on two fronts. Number one, I won financially to the extent that like I could not go any farther and I'd be fine. Like, you know, financially, which is a blessing. And I've worked hard for it. It didn't happen overnight. Right. Um, but two, I've already won mentally to have this mindset and to be able to accept and understand that is a huge win because it means I'm growing in, you know, I'm growing with my mindset and I'm, I'm in a better spot, uh, you know, to be, to be happy. And that allows me to do things that only add joy, you know? That's good, dude. So two things you said there that I've thought a lot about. One is adding joy and the other is already having one. Those are things I heard from you that have really resonated with me a lot. Those have carried a lot of weight and meaning. And as I think about through it again, think about why I'm feeling some weight and heaviness. I think what it comes down to is wanting versus needing. You want to unpack that Dan Sullivan concept? Wanting versus needing. Entrepreneur, I think you'd do a better job. I kind of forget what it is exactly. All right. So the basic distinction that I understand is that some folks are pursuing like, like kind of how I'm relating to some of the stuff I'm thinking about right now. That's all growth and company growth related. At the moment, it feels heavy to me because it, it kind of feels like I have to do it. Like I don't have a choice in the matter. Like it's back to the wall and figure it out, pressure for various reasons, all kind of self-fabricated versus, so that's needing. Wanting is, I, is the outcome is the same. But the way I relate to it is like out of the abundance of the heart and the mind, I choose this thing, not for what it has over me, but for what I think I I could create and do through it. And that orientation is what Dan Sullivan says is the glass ceiling that people Mm -hmm. run into. If you can't get over and get past the point where you needed it to validate yourself and to find your self-worth and transition into instead it being more of a wanting rather than need. Um, that's a cap. So I think that's what I'm up against right now, man. I just got to like re-celebrate where I'm at, have gratitude, give thanks, and realize that my baseline, this is part of what you're talking about. Like my baseline is not, oh man, the whole business melted down, wife divorced me, I'm alone, I've got cancer. My baseline is going to go get paid a fat check working for some corporation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> like what's at risk is my ego. And I think that's what I got to process and just like think through kind of get yeah. out. 
Dude, I love that, man. Oh, I could, I could riff on that. I, that that's so cool. I think uh, something that comes to mind for me though was yesterday, a couple of days ago, we were talking. Remember, we had that. We we're working on some projects for Tribe, and we had this like meaty, like three hour, like office work. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then we were like, "Why did we do this?" And we were like, "I don't know." We're like, "Dude, let's let's just kill this." Like, so freeing. Dude, we have WhatsApp. We we don't need. We can do our thing on our own time. It was so freeing, and so. Right after this call, I'm up against it. I got like five minutes and I have this weekly meeting with my sales broker who does the sales, the pro- uh, not the property management, but the real estate sales. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years and like, yeah, maybe a weekly like update was necessary, but like, I don't even think it's necessary. Like, so what I would encourage, what I'm going to do, forget about anyone else. What I'm going to do is continue just to be chopping these things that I feel like I need to do for some reason. Like I could do a monthly meeting with her. She's like a fully capable broker. I could look at the KPIs monthly. If things get off track, we could then bring it back. But uh, just like I said, I think I'll, I'll close with this. Separating the vital few from the trivial many is like where I'm at right now. There's so much trivial many, so few vital few. Figuring and that's what allows me to go two hours on music is because that's the vital few. Tribe is the vital few. Good life property management is the vital few. My family is the vital few. There's like five things, you know? And uh, other masterminds are nice. Um, meetups are nice. You know, uh, Facebook's nice. <laughs> things like that. But it's death by a thousand cuts, bro. And so I'm on that journey right now. All right, let's go let some fires burn. All right, brother. Good talking to you. Focus on what matters. Talk to the tribe soon. See ya. Did you enjoy this episode? Please share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about joining the tribe, go to tribemastermind.com to understand why the best and brightest mastermind with us.